Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, everyone. So great to have you all one more time today. We talk about crazy beards. Cottage Springs. Good vines. Iconic brewing. We're not sure. What are we talking about today? This is wild. Well, let's get right into it. It all starts Innovation is in our veins. Soon the whole world will know our names. Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign. We give for the people you know it's our way. Setting foundations is part of the dream. It doesn't matter if you're new to the game. Listen up now, cause we all gonna say Ugh. Elevate, 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 higher, elevate, 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 higher. We gonna rise up, we all gonna shine. Work through adversity, stay on the grind. Elevate, elevate, this is our time. Elevate, elevate. You're grateful to be joined by Daniel Bartek of Ace. Beverage group. Beverage group. <laughs> we're, we're catching on. Uh, formerly Iconic Brewing Co. And uh, we are. he has been through a lot. Him and his company, his co-founders, have done a lot. And they have an incredible story you want to get into of essentially starting your own company and doing great things. But before we get into all that, we're, we want to know about Daniel's story and what who he's all about. So we'll send it over to him. And like, Daniel, what are you about? <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. It's great to uh, be speaking to friends out of East Coast, yeah. uh, very close to home to me. That's why I went to school. So, um, yeah, where do I start? Well, I guess um, let's start in the beginning. I'm, I was born and raised in uh, Olomouc, Czech Republic, a uh, small town uh, in the middle of Europe uh, and uh, grew up playing uh, hockey. That's, you know, how I sort of ended up in North America in the first place. Um, I was 11 year old when I first visited Canada. I was in Vancouver to play a tournament. Very lucky, so I could afford to go uh, and play a tournament here. And I uh, fell in love with the country, fell in love with the culture, the people. Everybody was so nice. And uh, it's kind of crazy to think, but when I was 11 years old, I made, made my life's goal to live in Canada one day. And back then, it was as a professional hockey player. That didn't end up working out, but it did allow me, you know, six years, seven years later, when I was 17, 18, to, uh, you know, end up, you know, shipping me over here to play out, you know, semi-professional hockey out, out West, uh, spend, you know, a couple of years playing in the Western Hockey League, uh, trying out pro, uh, very fortunate to uh, play at the World Juniors uh, Championship Tournament, uh, little stint with New York Rangers, and that kind of all led me to Dalhousie on a scholarship. So uh, thanks to hockey, I was able to pay for school uh, and uh, ended up playing hockey for the varsity at Dal, and uh, that's that's sort of where uh, where my life story led me to uh, entrepreneurship, business, meeting my business partners, uh, and uh, and establishing myself as a as a you know Canadian citizen. So, uh, thanks to sport, I'm here now to make alcohol, which is great. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a wild ride. That is a wild oh, ride. Wow. We love it. Yeah. What was okay? So before we get into like the nitty gritty of what everyone wants to learn about, but the one thing as a sports fan here, what was it like playing in the World Juniors tournament? And which honestly, it, now it's it's about a week long mm-hmm. uh, event, right? Uh, two weeks if you count that short camp beforehand, and it's honestly like blink of an eye. It's just it's it's incredibly how fast it's just it's just happened, and uh, it, it was one of the best experiences in my life uh, by far. Probably equally with uh, with you know playing uh, playing and wearing the NHL jersey on for the first time too. Uh, it's kind of surreal. You, I was in my home country too. So in 2007, uh, it was in Czech Republic. So uh, my entire family got to see me on TV, really playing hockey for the first time in many years because I left when I was 17, 18. Right. Uh, so I was 20 years old, uh, playing in front of my home crowd, 
the home opener game was against Team Canada, so that was a lot of fun. Right. I believe that the starting lineup was like Tavares, Subban, uh, you know, just just all all, all the decent guys, <laughs> uh, and Stamkos. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, uh, there's nothing quite like it to play for a home country. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah, totally. Because that was the year that would you said it was 2007. You said. Yeah, we did not win. Yeah, because that was the year Carey Price was in that for Canada, I believe. That was no, Carey wasn't. Oh. Was it Picard? Uh, who was in that? I'm not 100 percent sure, but yeah. it, it was it was the second or third year in a row that Canada won. Right. They were on that on my chair. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that uh, four or five gold medal straight uh, yeah. stint they had there. Wow, that's yeah. really awesome. That's an incredible. Like, I that's a whole podcasting itself is that journey. Yeah. Um, but you know, you said this it, is a sports podcast, right? Yeah, you know, it's sports. Oh, you're right. Totally, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I forgot. I forgot to tell you about that. Um, uh, but you know, you said the kind of like hockey and that that journey kind of brought you to school, Dalhousie, and getting to the business um, side of things. Like, what was that transition like for you? And um, and yeah, no. Like you played in the NHL for a little bit, then that was cut short. And then, you know, where do you, did you find yourself at that point? You're just like, where do yeah. I go? What do I do? Playing the NHL would be uh, overstating uh, my qualities. I, I, I did make it to the to the main camp with, with New York Rangers, as I said earlier. I played two preseason games, and that's about it. Uh, so not quite the NHL, but as close as it, as it can get, I guess. Uh, it, it was, you know, transitioning from – uh, you know, semi-professional athlete or an athlete to uh, a student was not easy. Academics never scared me. Uh, I was actually quite excited to do that after playing hockey for 15, 20 years. All I knew was, you know, being a hockey player. But uh, I didn't really speak English that well just yet. Definitely not like writing. Like writing skill wasn't right. something that I knew how to do well. So I was really, really afraid if I can catch up and, and, and do well. I also couldn't afford to mess up because I was fortunate enough to have a scholarship uh, because of my three years in, uh, in the WHL. Uh, so I had my tuition partially paid for, but as an international student, I had to make up the difference. So I was still like $20,000 a year. I had to kind of somehow found through scholarships and work. So I kind of had a one shot at this. And, 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 you know, when I showed up at Dow at, on campus, that's when the old arena was still there. Uh, I, uh, I kind of like, I got a one shot at this and, and, um, you know, I made the decision not to pursue, um, they actually offered me a contract to wait with East coast and central hockey league. Um, so I could have stayed with the New York Rangers system and try to make my way up, but I decided that's not what I want to do. I decided I don't want to go back to Europe and play, play hockey there. So my, um, my uh, my one way ticket to becoming you know Canadian, which was my dream since I was eleven, was through getting a degree and figuring out life out like everyone else. So so that that was that was my plan. So as soon as I went to Dallas, I knew that you know hockey's behind me, and uh, I'm going to use hockey to survive, and I'm going to use hockey and scholarships to get by. But I need to do something else with my life. So yeah. very fortunate that it ended up being the way it was. But uh, yeah, it wasn't easy. Seriously. Wow. Dude. So I think that lends itself super well to the entrepreneurship lifestyle, right? Like you seem to really scrap and really do your best to essentially do what you could to, to make things make, make your dreams come true in a lot of ways. Obviously that's a corny way of putting it, but, um, I will say too, you know, you, you know, you played two more preseason NHL games than I did. So, you know, I just want to put that one out there. (laughs) Um, but, um, I think what was the, the, um, when you kind of, what was the, 
origin, the birth story of Ace Brewing Co. and starting up a DAO and then branching out from there? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, the story is, you know, still being written, right? And it's ever evolving. But uh, we've really got, I mean, me and my business partners really got fortunate with uh, very rarely get to see the first idea that you work on become commercial and, and even less so uh, scales and actually makes you money and then so grows on to become something quite meaningful and, and big and, you know, employs, you know, dozens and dozens of people. So, I mean, the story was like very, very, like any other story you would hear about in entrepreneurship, uh, we had an idea, uh, you know, we got together with, you know, two friends, uh, it was three of us at the onset, at, you know, one of my friends that I met at Dell and my business partner, Cam McDonald, uh, we were both part of the same commerce program here at Dell, uh, and his, uh, his buddy from back home, uh, Bobby Bassan, he was going Western and he was actually the origineer of the idea behind the first packaging bottle called Sage, uh, that we worked on and, that first idea turned into, you know, a real thing real fast, uh, actually almost too fast because I remember I was in my third year uh, pursuing my degree in finance, uh, you know, and chewing with, uh, with the banks in Toronto, you know, looking for making, you know, very, very decent money, you know, having a stable career in finance. Uh, and that's when everything kind of got disrupted and it got disrupted because I caught the entrepreneurial bug. Uh, you know, it was one one lunch at the cafeteria at Dell where we talked about, you know, launching businesses. Cam was, uh, always has been, sounds like it, an entrepreneur at the core, launching little projects, you know, spending not as much time in the, in the, in the classroom, but a lot of time kind of just selling phone case wallets made in China. I was always just impressed how he does that and still passes his grades. Um, so, uh, that, that was very infectious. And I remember just, you know, instead of studying from my intermediate economics class, I was, uh, I was like drawing business cards and, and drawing and ideas and engineering drawing of how this bottle could work. So, uh, that's how it started. It was an idea, uh, that we just couldn't get out of our heads. Uh, we stuck with it. We put a little bit, a little bit of money behind the project, got involved with the entrepreneurial community at Dalhousie and out East, uh, got, you know, mentors behind it. Uh, and with a little bit of, you know, shoestring budget, we, you know, I remember our first engineering drawings, the first product was a dual compartment bottle. Uh, uh, that segment is still featured on the Dragon's Den, that's from 2015. Uh, and that product was literally drawn and proven by our fellow student at engineering, you know, uh, at, at Dow for a bottle of Kraken. We just gave a bottle of Kraken to like, hey, can you prove that we can actually do this? And, and turns out that we could. Uh, and, uh, that's how it started and then evolved from there. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. I think for, uh, one thing that kind of goes to my mind is I, I, uh, it was cool. Uh, it was actually through, um, kind of a mutual connection that I, I heard about you guys and, uh, he brought up obviously the, uh, the, the, the Dragon's Den story. And I remember, I remember watching that episode once upon a time and, uh, and I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. They're from Halifax doing something little, you know, this little mixture thing. That's pretty dope. And uh, my memory is foggy, but did, I can't remember, did you guys get like a, a tad bit like roasted on that or the, oh, for sure. Yeah. Twice actually depends which episode you watch. So mm-hmm. we've, uh, we, we ended up going twice. So the first time was when we were super green, uh, we just finished our production, just raised a little bit of money. We we're about to launch. So that, that was the initial stage. That's when, uh, uh, we won dragons then for mostly for the exposure. Uh, and then second time, uh, because we didn't end up actually closing the deal, we got an offer from Arlene Dickinson in that segment. 
but a year later, uh, two years later, we got an offer to go back for a second chance. And that's when we got really drilled by one of the dragons. Uh, uh, I'm not going to name, but <laughs> she was a competitor in the space uh, with her own brewing company out west. Uh, and we were at the time launched a competitive product. So that was a very interesting one uh, because uh, we didn't know how that would go. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's for the show, right? Like you'd expect yeah. that they will challenge you. And you know, we weren't there to entertain because it was a funny idea. We're there because we're serious about what we're doing and the dragons gave us a hard time. It's all good. It's fair game. Right. It's fair that's game. That's why we signed a wave. That's why we signed the waivers, right? Right. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Sorry. You got something? No. Oh, you're good. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll shout out the, uh, I, I mentioned it before the podcast uh, started, but I'll also bring it up again for those who are listening, but also who are reviewing. What is it like to be able to drink your own product? It's, it's amazing. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit surreal now. Um, uh, still, as it was before, it's, you know, the first time is, it's something, you know, when you see your creation come to come to fruition, and actually, uh, and that's why I like hardware. I like physical products. I like CPG because uh, you work on a, an idea that you can actually physically manifest, hold in your hand, and in our case, taste. I mean, and it does give you a little bit of a social buzz, which is like, you know, what can be better than that? Uh, but I did, you know, some work with uh, with in, in tech as well with my business partner too in a past life. So being able to use your product for the first time is there's nothing that replaces that feeling and experience. What's even better is experiencing seeing other people using it for the first time. Uh, now it's, I mean, kind of all, all I drink and consume when it comes to uh, alcoholic beverages, beers, obviously our portfolio is very large. So I have lots to choose from. Uh, it's it's all of my products, but uh, we also have an energy beverage that we launched recently with under other operating company uh, called Wake Water. So uh, I keep myself hydrated, uh, you know, uh, energetic and also uh, social throughout the day with my products. It's, it's great. It's nothing better. That's awesome. So I guess rewinding back, we kind of, you know, hit on kind of the sage story. Then after that was crazy beard, there was one thing that was, uh, these two products have in common and both, I believe were recalled at various points. Yeah. Well, they were, um, what was that like? Like me and Dalton were talking before the the show, like that would have crushed me personally. And I think I would have quit. Um, and what was that like for you guys to kind of have to go through that process and, and navigate those choppy waters? It was brutal. Uh, it was absolutely brutal. Um, it's something that, unfortunately, I feel like you're gonna have to go through the through the stages of, you know, when you're growing a startup, uh, you know, you have a limited budget, uh, and any mistake can kind of put you out of business. Uh, and we, fortunately and unfortunately, had to go through all those and experience ourselves. Uh, nothing came easy to us, but it will, there were lessons that we just needed to learn. You can read about those in the textbook or hear another entrepreneur speak. And, you know, some people might be listening to me and uh, taking away something from this. But uh, until you fully experience it, I feel like you don't have the appreciation. Um, our first recall that happened in uh, uh, with Sage Mixology in 20, 2014, uh, I believe we just launched uh, and uh, we've just launched uh, on the LCBO website. Uh, and I believe we've... Um, We've looked at the product. It was about to be sold for uh, for sale for the first time, and that's when we kind of learned that. Uh, listen, uh, our production facility that we hired to do our product, they had a contamination, and and every single bottle that we delivered to the stores, with pretty much all the money we've had raised today, has to be recalled. Uh, and not only recalled because it's not good; it wasn't dangerous to consume, but there had a yeast contamination, which essentially makes the bottles to explode over time because the yeast 
creates oxygen and, and that just explodes in a concealed environment. Uh, so instead of going to stores and like promoting the product and telling people how great it is and try it, we're like, uh, yeah, that new box that you know nothing about, that's mine. Can you set it aside so we can take it back? That was the worst. Uh, and and uh, a few years later, um, when we launched Dusty Boots nationally, uh, very different story. We were already sort of established that at that point we were selling you know hundreds of thousands of cases, but still not making a lot of money. Uh, we uh, pretty much ten percent of our production in one production run had to be recalled, and because of completely different situation, it was a very humid summer, and our production facility uh, didn't do a proper uh, you know drying of the cans, so they all they all had a defect on top of the can and they all popped across the country at the same time. It almost felt like in a snap of a finger, we had tens of thousands of cases or you know, uh, tens of thousands of units just explode, uh, whether it was in a warehouse or on a truck, like literally like a snap of, snap of a finger. Uh, and uh, that wasn't as financially devastating in terms of, that would have put us in business, out of business in 2015 because we were so young. Uh, but in 2016, just wiped all of our profit margin. So, you know, first great year where we scaled, we're excited to, you know, make some money and then we didn't, but uh, we learned from it. Uh, we learned that, you know, uh, you have to be super paranoid about production. Uh, you have to be vigilant and you have to prepare for, for the unimaginable. So not great, but hey, we survived. So we're still here. Totally. That's a, that is an experience. And these are the things that really shape people, right. And shape, you know, entrepreneurs alike. And, uh, if, if, can you, you know, essentially, can you take the punches to the face and, uh, and keep moving forward? Uh, and you clearly did it. And I think that also lends itself well from, you know, you being a hockey player, <laughs> like, you know, going yeah. through a lot yeah. and trying to get big, like entrepreneurship and sports, I find are very similar uh, in terms of there's, a, you can tend to hit a lot of adversity and it's so what are you going to do with it? Yeah, no, 100%. Totally. 100%. I mean, that's that's life too, right? In general, mm-hmm. like, entrepreneurship is is no different than being a professional athlete or, or you know, you, you just, you're just going to give it all. You can't quit just because you lose a game. You can't quit just because uh, you had a bad season. I mean, you can, but then you're not going to achieve anything. So if you want to make it, then it's dedication and you have to expect you're going to knock down and you just, it's about how you rebound. Uh, so, um yeah, no, it, 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 these were great lessons. I honestly, um, there was lots of great in between. Uh, and, you know, it's never easy. You're like, you know, the bigger you get, uh, the more complex and more costly those mistakes are. You're just better equipped to to survive them. You're better equipped to uh, to make it to the next round. Uh, these blows when you're a young company are, you know, devastating. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I remember to this date, I was, you know, there's this 10 second moment. I was, uh, I was on a subway line going to Finch West station, a long drive from downtown Toronto or a long subway ride, should I say. And, you know, I was just, uh, this kind of a empty feeling of, you know, I left school to, to, to continue pursuing this business. So I didn't really graduate at that time. I said no to all the job offers uh, that I were presented with me. We were running out of money and we had a recall happening and I had to meet this engineer to kind of figure out how to, how to deal with it. Uh, and I was just like looking at all these uh, job postings and on a subway for like career in this or university there. And I was just like, well, I was like, you know, one course away from having that degree and having that job. And I was just like, what am I doing? And it was like, honestly, the only time in my career where I thought about that five second thing. And I was like, honestly, I have nothing to lose. I, I'm doing what I, what I, what I want to be doing. I'm learning. These are like invaluable lessons. And even if it doesn't work out, I'm going to give it all. And, uh, and it did. So 
So yeah. That's a beauty. It's there's something about taking on risk and and it working out, right? <laughs> it's a, it's definitely a sweet experience when it works out for sure. Um, so for you, uh, you know, obviously there, you guys have an incredible suite of products that you offer. What was the product that really kicked it off that really, you feel like once we got there, that was the big turning point where we just saw scale, like it just scaled incredibly and everything, the the floodgates just opened up. Right. Uh, we've saw that in waves over the years. So we've been around for eight years. Uh, our first product was, as I mentioned, staged only survived for about a season and a half. Uh, and uh, we decided to actually retire it to focus on more profitable and scalable products. Um, so the very first product we named our company after Sage Mixology wasn't ultimately a successful one, but it got us into the game. Uh, we launched eight distinct brands over the past eight years. And this is prior our merger with ASL, which we'll touch on, I guess, in, in a little bit. Uh, but uh, Sage Mixology uh, launched Sage. Uh, then we went into Produce a product called Crazy Beard. And although this product's no longer around, it's, it was a pivotal because it allowed us to stay alive. We only had you know X amount of money left and we had to do something that we that had to scale and had to provide. And this product became a very, very widely popular, popular in its two seasons in the market. Um, the first scalable product that we've kind of like, you know, going from like a couple hundred cases to a couple thousand cases to like going a couple hundred thousand cases in a matter of a few months was uh, really the, the launch of hardware beer in Canada. Uh, so Dusty Boots, Hardwood beer, uh, I believe it became fairly popular out east as well. Uh, and to this day, you can still enjoy your local NSLC. Um, that really put us on a map in terms of, you know, we were the first to market uh, with a great tasting liquid that people love and enjoy. And that really, we, we couldn't produce enough. Like we've, you know, we produced probably one tenth that first year uh, uh, and we could have produced, you know, sold 10 times more uh, if we just had the capacity because we're still very small and, and, and growing. Uh, so that was the first one, first taste of uh, sort of, okay, we're up to something. We know how to brand. We know how to develop liquids. Uh, we The product market fit is something that we're beastly good with. Um, so that was the first taste of uh, what's to come. And really the, the crazy pivotal moment for us was in 2016, 2017, when we uh, started noticing that, you know, the sweeter type drinks, the sweeter type portfolio uh, does just not resonate well with, with, our ethos, uh, you know, we, we are all like, you know, thinking about what goes into our body. Uh, we, you know, we, we like to know that, you know, all the products we drink are clean, low sugar, low calories, and, and more importantly, are transparent. So we tell people exactly what's in each product. So that's when we got to, you know, really, instead of innovating too fast, as we like to say, we started innovating to, uh, uh, to, to a trends. And we saw this massive shift in industry towards healthy, clean labels, uh, transparent, low sugar or no sugar, ideally. Uh, and that's the, where the idea behind Cottage Springs uh, kind of developed uh, and Cottage Springs you know, on its own became a beast uh, in a very relative short period of time. And now it's sold coast to coast from BC to, to Halifax. And it's it's one of the you know prominent brands in Canada in the in beverage alcohol space, which is really great. Yeah, that's the one thing I've always noticed about Cottage Springs specifically. And one of the reasons why my folks tend to buy it anyway is it's one of the few that show the nutrition label on the back. And I know we, we spoke about this before the podcast. And uh, two, one, I think it's it's awesome that it's on there because for certain people that means a lot. And then a question is, is why is it that um, other brands are able to get away without putting that nutrition label um, on the back for the viewers listening? Um, because, you know, when you go buy a bag of chips, it's by law, there has to be a nutrition label. How come it's not right. that way in the in the alcohol space? 
know, beverage alcohol is just really good at lobbying against that regulation. <laughs> so for, for, for years and years and years, uh, and, and to this date, it's not mandatory. Uh, so uh, you don't have to disclose. It, it's, it's really becoming uh, more important now. And I think in a few years, it's going to be mandatory for, for, for all beverage alcohol to disclose what is the content because it would be surprising and shocking to a lot of people thinking that what they're drinking is probably not that bad but when you really add the calories you add the sugars uh you add the sodium uh you know look at caesars caesars are you know traditionally just like everybody knows they're not good you know the canned caesars are probably not the best thing for you uh but you'd be surprised that you know in one can of one of our competitors you could find the equivalent of sodium and sugars and calories of like Big Mac meal in oh. one can. And it's kind of like, what, what's going on? That's including fries. So that's, that's crazy. Right. Uh, because a lot of people are like, well, I like to have three or four. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, you typically don't have three or four Big Macs with fries. Right. Uh, so because you typically have that with your fries and Big Mac. <laughs> so, uh, so it's just something that, you know, you should know. Like you should be, you should be able to tell what's in your product. Uh, we're actually this year we're launching a low sodium Caesar called Life Rack uh, to uh, to be able to deliver that good tasting Canadian Caesar in a can, ready to go, but at like a quarter of the sodium. Uh, so that took us a Whoa. very long time to develop, but that's launching in Ontario uh, this month. Nice. And what's like when you're coming up with these different drinks and products, like what is that process like and how long does it usually take to really kind of perfect it? To do innovation well takes a long time. Uh, uh, it does get easier in time because you have a process. Uh, uh, we have a people dedicated, you know, to focus on innovation. Uh, but quite frankly, I think the, the secret sauce uh, for us is the fact that uh, every single person in our company, you know, over 50 people are involved in innovation, whether you're a salesperson, accountant, finance person, uh, sales rep, uh, or you work in an innovation department, like you are innovating. We have invite all of our employees to, uh, to provide ideas, uh, to pitch products. And a lot of them became a real life thing without, you know, our input whatsoever. So, so it's, uh, it's the culture of innovation that we built that, that really helps us. It takes weeks, months to get the liquid, right? Uh, you know, dozens and dozens of, you have to be super, super, uh, uh crazy about, you know, getting everything done perfectly. Uh, the liquid, the brand, uh, the feel and look, every color shade, everything's scrutinized as much as possible. And you're always running against the clock. There's just never enough time. Uh, so, uh, every day is innovation day, uh, and you innovate for like the 2022 season is sort of now, uh, wow. and you're always kind of like planning in advance and, and, uh, launching products where you can. And, 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 uh, thankfully we've, uh, we've, what we've done, uh, because we were so young, because we didn't raise a lot of money, uh, and we had to bootstrap, we could not afford to innovate into bad products, right? Every product we launched had to be successful on its own. Uh, had to taste better than Molson Labatt competitors because we just didn't have a second ticket. We didn't have a second chance. We're like, oh yeah, that's a shit product. Well, let's go back to the drawing board on the next one. We didn't have the next one, and that's the ethos now. Like everything we launch has to be the has to be at its best. Wow, that's you know huge. And I, I I'm curious because uh, I've actually I actually don't know many people who actually work in this space so now i'm just kind of asking elementary that questions that will probably be elementary to you um but when it comes to you're developing these products and putting them out so you kind of you perfect it you kind of figure it out what's it like trying to make sure that that is a scalable 
and be repeatable? And how do you make sure that every can tastes right and tastes well? Well, it's a challenge, uh, especially when you consider we're producing in a half a dozen different facilities across many provinces in Canada now yeah. uh, with different team, different staff, uh, different water supply. Um, so it is, it does become a challenge. Uh, quality control is an ongoing, uh, you know, challenge of, of ours and anybody who's, who's selling uh, at our scale nationally. So, um, I mean, there are certain things you can, you can do and make sure that, you know, we know what we're doing because we've done it before. So certain recipes are scalable just because we know inherently it's not that it's not that difficult to scale. Uh, the hardest part, quite frankly, is when you develop something uh, in a small scale in a in a lab uh, in our lab here in Toronto or you know over the bench. You just make something up. You add natural flavors. Uh, it tastes great, but then how do you make this one can into uh, you know ten thousand liter or hundred thousand liter barrel to taste the same? That scalability is hard. Uh, but once you make it once you establish the recipe, it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. So just adhering, making sure that all the processes and steps are, are applied for, regardless if it's produced in Montreal, in Toronto, or uh, or in Calgary. Wow. Right. Yeah. And one takeaway I had from that was you mentioned the water. Um, and I know like mm-hmm. that's a big deal. And people have, have talked about it before, like with um, uh, beer and Budweiser, uh, specifically how a Budweiser in New York is going to taste way different than one in Halifax, simply based on where they get their water from. Um, and it, it, what does that process look like in, in trying to make, like you said, Montreal versus your Toronto plant? Mm-hmm. It, it, how do you go about making the water the same when inherently it's not? Right. Um, I mean, you know, there are differences between uh, products like uh, vodka-based coolers, uh, which is a lot of our portfolio, and now, you know, with with Ace Hill and you know the the big portfolio that we have on the beer front, uh, that requires slightly different things. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're very lucky in Canada. We have a high quality source of water, essentially everywhere. A lot of people take it for granted, but you know, we have some of the best water in the world. You know, it's that's the one resource that people will be after us in in hundred years, is is water. Um, so, but you know, there's different different aspects of the water. You know how uh, alkaline it is. Uh, you know, and a lot of these things you can treat for. So, water is treated uh, and should be treated the same way. Uh, you know, make sure that it's clean. Uh, you know, so there's certain treatment of the water that you can apply across, and then you can also adjust uh, certain like you know pH uh, factor. You can adjust your recipe to if certain water is let's say more alkaline or less alkaline. Uh, you can kind of adjust your recipe based on that. So the final pH of the recipe is what you want it to be. Uh, right. For example, some of the best water we get is in Calgary because it's so clean coming from, you know, so so fresh. Uh, but you kind of have to adjust your recipe a little bit so that certain flavors come through the way you want to. Uh, so it's a bit of a, it's a bit of an art and magic and, you know, trial and error. Uh, and, but after a while, it's, you know, we're very lucky we don't have to, you know, import water from yeah. from from somewhere because our water is high quality source in canada pretty much everywhere you go nice that's really cool and so you guys have you know seen some great success in, in canada is there any like um obviously i'm sure you, you you've talked about how you're always thinking two years ahead is there any kind of thought of like all right let's try to penetrate the states a little bit and go into that market Right. Um, U.S., the big question, you know, uh, when are we going to U.S.? You know, are you going to U.S.? Um, our plan here uh, so far has been about, you know, delivering on uh, the innovation ethos of our company, make sure that we're bringing innovative products to the marketplace. Uh, and there's a tons of growth and opportunity within Canada still for us to achieve that. We want to be 
the best company there is uh, in Canada for that first before we're ready to make a move and then innovate towards a different consumer in a different country. Quite frankly, you know, there's over 50 states. They have different perceptions. In Canada, you have a big difference between what the West Coast and East Coast uh, or, you know, uh, you know, what the interior consumer is very different from the East Coast. And from, so there's 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 lots of nuances that we still have to learn. Uh, our goal is to, you know, uh, make sure that we do a really good job to cover Canada from coast to coast uh, uh, and and become, you know, uh, you know, very prominent player in that space. Uh, that was one of the main drivers behind our uh, our merger with ASIL uh, in, in November last year uh, is to kind of, you know, you know, we've we've been friends competitors with with ASOL founders for for a couple of years, uh, but kind of you know offer the same consumer with different offerings because they're focused around their beer portfolio, their Rattlers, uh, they're well known for that, uh, and our vodka-based coolers, the Cottage Springs, and other brands uh, have been uh, kind of like going after the same thing. But to have that scale, to to be able to do something really well uh, and scale it across Canada, took a couple of years for us to figure it out and. Uh, once we're ready, you know, you never know. Uh, entering U.S. could be could be important, but right now, our you know, we have lots of grow opportunity out west. So we've pretty much just started in Alberta and BC. Those are two big two biggest markets after Ontario. We really don't have much of a presence in Quebec yet. So there's tons of growth opportunity, and we can you know we can multiply ourselves uh, a couple of times before we we even have to go think about uh, going to U.S. Totally. Wow. Yeah, that's super cool. And you mentioned there um, the Ace, the merger with Ace Hill, um, mm-hmm. and I know when we first started the podcast, we had a bit of confusion as, as to whether or not it was um, from I- Iconic Brewing or from Ace Beverage Group. So I'm assuming then Ace Beverage Group came from a merger of Iconic and Ace Hill, or is it another That's brand? Great. Another brand. So there's because you've already mentioned a few brands leading up. So you've the company's gone through a multiple uh, brand names. We made it as confusing from a naming perspective <laughs> as possible uh that's by design but the funny thing is our what our consumers know us by are the brands we create and as i mentioned on the iconic front we've created about eight brands that you know scale beyond one or two provinces some of them nationally um but most people wouldn't know they're coming from iconic brewing company uh so when we launched sage mixology that was our first business yeah. that was it one product called Sage, business called Sage Mixology. Uh, but then we started innovating into, you know, Crazy Beer, Dusty Boots, and other brands. So we changed our name into Iconic Brewing Company, kind of to allow us to have a platform uh, for multiple different brands. Uh, but we call ourselves a brewing company while we weren't really doing much brewing because a lot of these products are spirit-based. Confusing, I know. Uh, but again, it's an industry name that our buyers would know us by, our distributors would know us by, consumers you know, rarely go and look at the back. Usually right. actually the brand name is in the back of the can, but the address will be ours. So it, it's still coming from the same place. Uh, so when Iconic, uh, my business partner and I uh, have the opportunity, you know, to discuss a uh, potential merger with with uh, with the founders of Ace Hill, uh, we came up with a new name, Ace Beverage Group, to kind of rep- represent the entire portfolio of all of our RTDs, the ready to drinks, uh, the beers, the Rattlers, uh, now Caesars and Ciders. So uh, there's there's quite a bit underneath of that. Think yeah. of it as, uh, you know, the Boston Brewing Company uh, in the U.S. that you might may have heard of not, but they have the you know Twisted Tea, yeah. uh, Angry Orchard brands. It's kind of and and you know Sam Adams. Like they have all the stuff underneath of Boston Brewing Company. But right. Most people might not even know it's underneath of Boston Brewing Company. That's yep. sort of where we are. Yeah. 
Oh, so it, it is really, it's just like, it's like a big hold co for all the other brands. It's an umbrella. It's an yep. umbrella that owns all the trademarks yep. and brands underneath of it. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, it's very sort of like AB InBev. It's like something like that. I, yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Even bigger, even bigger umbrella. We're just a small umbrella. They're yeah. Much bigger one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And so as we kind of wrap up here and, and, and kind of come into a landing is, you know, you've, you've been through a lot clearly, um, just even early on life and then building up this business with your friends and, and it being, and seeing great success up to this point, what's been one part of your journey that you've cherished the most through it all? Uh, there's so much, uh, to reflect on. I think it's cause we have gone through lots of hardships, but we've been always able to kind of, you know, push through them. So the resiliency, uh, to actually, see your idea to become a real thing uh you know in early stages i remember seeing you know social media posts instagram posts where crazy beard brand is being enjoyed at this wedding and this couple just loves crazy beard guy has a huge beard and, and it's part of their wedding so like my product that we dreamt a year ago is now part of somebody else's wedding forever it's in the pictures forever right that's cool that's just it's really hard to replace so like come up with ideas that become innovative, uh, you know, changing industry uh, uh, in a sense, because we were one of the first to kind of start introducing clean labels. That's really cool to be part of that legacy. Um, but now as we mature and, and scale and grow, and again, we're fairly large, uh, we're one of the largest independently owned uh, beverage companies in, uh, in Canada. Uh, it's actually more about the team. It's about the team that we surround ourselves with. We have you know, such a great talent. Uh, and it's just really, really so much fun and satisfaction to see them succeed. And, you know, uh, we've hired people that are much smarter than us uh, to do things that we couldn't uh, and just see them come up with ideas and, you know, us helping them get through fruition is, is, is really the next kind of stage that's really, uh, really kind of satisfying now, more so than this is just seeing products succeed. We've been through that, but now seeing people succeed within our company and us along that, it's, that's great. Uh, the next big stage for me uh, and for us, uh, is, uh, kind of knock, knock down some of the behemoths in the industry. Like we're, we're right up there, you know, mentioned AB and Beth, Diageo, uh, Mark Anthony with White Claw, uh, like those are up there and we're literally right next behind them and, you know, give us a year or two and in certain provinces, we will be ahead of them, which is really cool. That's awesome. I love it. And we look forward to being able to see, uh, you be able to accomplish that and we'll be here rooting for you out in Halifax. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're super busy and, uh, you know, also just moving offices not too long ago and yeah. all that jazz, but, uh, very grateful for your time and, uh, hope you have yourself, I uh, hope you have yourself a great night. Appreciate it. Thanks so much guys. Awesome. Uh, good luck with, uh, with the future podcasts and, uh, and yeah, uh, grab a couple of cottage springs in the, in the NSLC for me and, uh, and, uh, let's have a cheers this weekend. hundred percent. I'll do it. I'll, I'll make do. sure to tag you in it. Let's go. Awesome. <laughs> have a good one Cheers. see ya right. bye guys well that was awesome that was quite an episode i'll say to hear like this from where he started where they are i can't even say ended because at least said his story is just constantly being written dude they're just getting to the precipice of what they're doing and to say like we're competing with ab and bev white claw next year like nslc like we're coming those for are them. big names man dude that's that's what i think what everyone wants to be out if they're running a business Totally, you want to go for the big guys. 100%. Every, no one wants to compete with the people on your level. Mm -hmm. You exactly. want to get to the next. Then to be 
Like right under. That's crazy. To be right there and just taste it. And you can tell even with him, like he's got an amazing drive. Oh, he's driven. He got totally. And of course, you know, being a you know, ex hockey player. Yeah. You know, he's got that that drive, that he's got totally. that tenacity. Yep. It was sweet. Well, we were so grateful uh, for him to take time with us. Totally. And, uh, pleased that he took, he was still working. So yeah, it's like he, he took time out. He literally was still working. And he's like, yeah, I got, yeah, 30 minutes. To totally. Chuck to these jabronis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I mean, mean, goes, means the world to us. 100%. You know, so. we, we both run companies, not in that scale. Time is valuable, though. We, yeah. We just know what time is valuable. And you can only imagine on that level how valuable your time is, too. Yeah. Absolutely. So, we, with that being said, we are grateful to all of you for joining us. So whatever you're doing, whether it be at the, going to the 100% full capacity gym. Or enjoying a cottage springs. Or, you know, just enjoying time at the cottage. While drinking at cottage springs. Whatever you're doing. <laughs> Wherever you are. We love you. We're Have out. Fun.